This is Shaka Wart Speak. Welcome. Thanks. To Shaka Wart Speak. Oh, yeah. Ding. I'm back. In one piece. I survived the Tapanango Caves That's and good. Ken Gilbertson. Yeah. And we had a great time at the Bath Art Gallery. Not to be accused of the Bath Salts Gallery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was a really good yeah, time. It was a great time. Um, it was yeah, never been, man. never been to that uh, nice little quaint arts community. Oh, yeah. What did you guys think of the town? Well, we're going to rush right to the most important thing that happened. <laughs> the most yeah, important thing. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. the art show, although that was great. No, okay. it, was, it, was it was a phenomenal a, turnout. It was, a, it, was a, it was another kind of show. So this was, was a show Apple, of force. I, I keep wanting to call it the Apple Bottom Festival. It was not. It, it was not. not, though. It was the Apple Butter Festival. Yes. Right? It's just very brains. Brain debris. And Which is an amazing yeah. condiment. So we, we had Apple an experience where a real estate agent that helped the gallerists get that building came mm-hmm. in and was excited and going, oh, you're setting up, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, there is a beard competition the next day. And they <laughs> were looking, my I have a beard, but they weren't looking at me. I would not enter my beard right now. It's I not. do not have a beard. Gareth does not have a beard. But they he's were great, looking at me. He's got a great mustache. So she encouraged Gareth to enter. And so, of course, you know, without her knowing us, we're like, yeah, he's going to do it. You better <laughs> yes. believe he's going to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, why not? So I'm not You're 90. I'm like. Paired the right mission with the right man. <laughs> I'm like 90. Yes. <laughs> Six percent sure Gareth's gonna do it. Ninety-six <laughs> percent. I reserve four percent for Gareth to get there and go. I'm not doing this, man. I don't got a beard, and I would get it right. So Cause, I'm because it's West Virginia, so there's a possibility of some decent beards. Yeah, out. yeah, it's beard land. It's beard land. So, I mean, there's vendors and there's apple butter everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's crafts. It was great. It was it was a great time. Is is what you'd expect in a good way. And they were coming off of a couple of years of not having this mm-hmm. because of COVID. And there's a lot of out of towners, people from Pennsylvania. Yeah, I don't think I spoke to anybody from the town. Yeah, every, everybody day. was from somewhere else, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Yeah, got to meet a lot of great. Yeah, people. I mean like Ohio, Pennsylvania, yes. Maryland. So there's a lot Virginia, of like optimism from New Jersey. like, hey, this is yeah. something that we haven't done in a while. We're getting it back together. Yes. Oh yeah, this is hopefully the restart of something. Yes, yeah. it was. It was really great, man. There's for another day. We'll talk more about it, but it was great. And I hope, I think a lot of good things are going to happen there. Already are, will happen there. Yeah. So we get there and there's what, 20 guys beefed out with big beards. I oh, mean, yeah. Dude had like a 18 inch or 20 inch beard Whoa. dyed purple. Mm-hmm. He looked like he was like a, a cross between ZZ Top's A Hobbit. He's kind of buff like a hobbit mm-hmm. in the, the films. And, uh, I don't know. Like he was a an odd combo. There's a couple different. There's like a Santa Claus type dude. Yeah, the purple purple is an odd, yeah, odd, odd touch. But it but he won an award. He won an award. Yeah. So they they got down to six awards. And Doctor Snacksmill got a blue ribbon. It's a big blue ribbon. It's a big blue ribbon. <laughs> it's, it's pretty. What was awesome. the category? Uh, category was is, uh, he won. Yeah, he won. <laughs> like the whole thing. No, 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 oh. no. But it's just. Uh, so here's the thing that was sad about it. Okay. There were several other dudes there. That had gigantic, awesome mustaches that mm-hmm. I saw. That I think they felt disenfranchised because they called it a beard competition. Yeah. So as soon as I stood up there in that line, I mean, I was getting the side eye heavy. Oh yeah, from these dudes. I was impressed. Gareth had no inhibition. He's like, "Yeah, I'm doing it." Yeah, like, yes. I, I mean, part of me is like, I don't know these folks. Yeah. Also, like, what's the worst that can happen? You I lose. don't win. Yeah. At the apple bar. Someone makes just fun run of out you. of town. Yeah. yeah. It's like. Oh, darn, you're right. So, um, but these guys are like, uh, hey, uh, they're like, yeah, like, uh, nice, nice mustache. And I'm like, yep, yeah, it is. 
<laughs> and you can tell that like they're they're being polite yeah. in a way. But then there was a dude next to me who I don't think he had any interest in being polite. Yeah. And he was just like, he's like, it takes some guts, man. And I'm like, I don't know that it does. Yeah. I'm standing in front of a gazebo in a public park. <laughs> <laughs> you know? With one of the worst bands you've ever heard in your life just finishing <laughs> yes. up their set. It was no, awkward. it was great. They were great. I got a positivity today. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh <laughs> all this comes down in like uh so positive encouraging. And it's, <laughs> and it's great. You know, and um honestly, like some of these they were they were just super nice about it. It was great. Um, but I was like, I was recruited for this. Like I I I didn't, I would not have known about this otherwise. Yes, mm-hmm. it was recruitment. And uh, the other thing is like, also like, uh, uh, who the crap cares? <laughs> you know, this isn't like a feeder competition to a larger international beard yeah. mustache competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a good time. Yeah, it was a great time. So tell you what, my daughter was pumped. She gave me some, uh, some great kind of like some, some good language some, beforehand. Some she was like, she was hanging out with all these girls her age and they were doing their thing and she, uh, before they went to leave and go back to the house where we were staying, she said, okay, dad, just, you know, good luck. Just don't come in fourth. And I was like, specifically, I was like, that's very specific. And she's like, yeah, fourth is the first person who doesn't, doesn't get anything. <laughs> so in her mind, first, second, third, you got something. Yeah. Fourth place, you got a lot of front row nothing. Yeah. So to come home with the blue ribbon was she like, epic. she was like, honestly had her mouth open. It was like, oh my God. That's yeah, great. so I think all of our kids awesome. did actually. Yeah, everybody was like, "What? What? Yeah, well, how, what? Tell, how would happen?" <laughs> and so it's just great. It was a good time. It was a lot of fun. But uh, in all honesty, we uh, it was it was fantastic to see the gallery launch. It was fantastic to see the solo solo show of Ryan's stuff go up. It was a, it's a beautiful space. Um, and all weekend, as we were there in the gallery, just welcoming people in, they were just grateful and thankful, and it really it really served to showcase just what the arts actually do mm-hmm. that the arts do humanize like we've talked yes. about i mean people people that didn't really care about art understood the place mm-hmm. of that gallery on the main strip in the city mm-hmm. that was great but then also you had people coming in who you know if you were to go to like a blue chip gallery mm-hmm. on an opening night in new york these people would probably they'd be allowed in but they would not be talked to they were not they would not be made comfortable because mm-hmm. they were not the right types of people yeah Huge air quotes there for the elitism in the art community. Um, but we had folks come in and they would start talking to Ryan about the art. And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. That's it. You're seeing it. You get it. Like you're understanding yeah, it's really it positive. without him having to like give an explanation or talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And so there was. I got this, more savvy responses off the street from people who don't go to art galleries than I have at Shock Art Space. Yeah. Wow. That's no exaggeration. I was literally beside myself. I was like, like my work's not the most. It's not. It's not the. It's not the necessarily the most. First, it's not your first step into something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the easiest entry point. So, there are some naysayers, but I mean, the amount of positive oh, hundred yeah. people coming through, a lot of hundred people, maybe three hundred people coming through. Wow, two hundred. That's people. over both days. Over no, just one day. Just one day. Man. Wow. Yeah, dude. It was, and it was like generous. Like I don't know, man. There's a lot of things. Like people, are like, hey, I got a couple that. It was like, would you show up in our town? And I got their card and somebody awesome who I'll get their name and give their business shop that they do publishing in, Pitt, in cool. uh, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh that were like, let's talk. Like, maybe we can, maybe I can help you guys. Maybe you can help us. They publish locally, but in a commit, intentionally, mm-hmm. regionally, um, books on artists and things like that. Okay. Poets, 
and poets, you know? So it was like, nice. dude, there are so many, there's too much. We'll, we'll tell you later over, uh, you know, a, dr- a stiff drink. Uh, we'll, we'll give you the <laughs> yeah. full rundown. Cause there's stuff that is, I'm still like not, I'm still about, I'm still processing, but it was a yeah. great time. It was a great relief to be there. And finally out of that, um, that fake residency I got stuck at with the, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the grant that I ended up giving them the money. They didn't, get any money from me it's yeah. reverse grants right? i mean i didn't get any money case. from them they gave it to me mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? yeah yeah i gave the it to them it was yeah. confusing and then somehow ken was there i mean it was really creepy i think he went there looking for gareth and i think he assumed that because i was there gareth would be there mm. and he was yeah. really ticked off about the fact that you weren't there well i know we apparently have some kind of connection that i don't understand because i don't feel like i've ever been super warm to him but, yeah um he likes you dude i don't know how because you have a tough love. Yeah. <laughs> you typically, he makes you uncomfortable. So that's. Oh, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just like that. The thing is, he doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah. He, he doesn't like. To he's like a cat. His comfort zone. Yeah. He's like a cat. He, if you don't like him, then he goes for you. Maybe he's just the sort of person who needs strong boundaries. Well, it's and not so that he don't likes like the guy. I, I don't, I don't have a strong problem with it. He just does make me physically uncomfortable. I think he likes to say your name incorrectly. I think he just. I tried to tell him, dude, his name is Gareth. Yeah, well, he insists on welcome Garrett. to life, man. I don't know that he can say anyone's name correctly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a situated. He gets your name right. He goes, "You Ryan." He calls me Ryan. I, I'm working on my impersonation. That's a pretty good. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, he called you Spody. Like, he called Spody. Spody. I mean, Spody. He actually thought your name was Cordy, 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 or something like that. Like yeah, his yeah. pal, his sidekick. He call you like Cordelius or something. Yeah, Cord- Cord- yeah. Cord- as long as like Cordelia, he's pretty mad about that. Anyhow, I do think he's um, going to be back soon. Okay. Yeah, it sounded like he said something about like near Christmas. So. Yeah, I think I it'll actually be believe it'll be sooner. <laughs> he's I'm, like one I'm of those scared. strange people who follows the winter. So he's like, yep. I was. Well, I guess Utah State. Apparently, he's had a couple north. leads on a new hatchback, and that's um, good. When he, so he, the problem is. He didn't say it this way, but basically he he finds a car and nine times out of ten, the people won't let him sleep in it so he can know if it's the hatchback or not. Mm. I mean, that feels fair. Yeah. So he's he's had a hard time convincing people to let him sleep in it because it's not about the test drive. Mm. It's about how he feels inhabiting that space and setting mm. it up as a gallery. Yeah, yeah. And he needs to sleep in it and just kind of wake up in the space. And mm. So I told him, man, you're going to have to polish up your pitch. You can't just be you and do that you're gonna have to find a different way so is he, is he just like hitchhiking and then wall maybe he's taking he's got like bus lines okay because i'm just thinking like if you, yeah he's you car know, rentals if you hitchhike as someone else is driving it you can fall asleep in the car and then yeah. wake up yeah and have a sense yeah he wants it like, parked oh, it's like he wants to just show up to your house where you're selling the car sleep in the car and then decide if he wants to buy it the next morning mm-hmm. you know it makes sense that no one trusts him he's not going to hurt anybody yeah it's harmless yeah, but it's just a hard sell. he's a gentle giant but i told him we got to figure out a different way i said we might have a car for him yeah, yeah. so that's also i'm sorry that's why he may be coming back sooner because <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. he's tired of his i mean he's been on the road for over a year it's a long yeah. time yeah anyhow well i mean that's all great uh that's our update he's doing well um always good to to hear good things about people um he also a, looks like he lost a little bit of weight really yeah but i, I couldn't tell if that's being on the road for a year yeah i think he's i been, feel like two things are going to happen you're either going to gain a lot of weight or yeah it's yeah. like he's been eating less i don't know man the, I, he told me something about cutting back on uh buckets of chicken and taquitos so i feel like you know yeah it's, it's if, mature if, yeah yeah if you're 
He wants to be around longer. But he could. Yeah. He also I actually be, don't know how old he is. He's also probably saving up for a car. Yeah. So that could be a factor too. That is a factor. Well, if his standard measurement for chicken is bucket, uh, probably <laughs> needs to. It's probably not the best. I mean, like, he probably, <laughs> you know, be like, let's move to snack box. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of. <laughs> that is sound advice from Dr. Blackwell. Everybody. I'm just saying, this is why we call him Dr. Snackwell. As a PhD in snacks, I just like to say, keep your portion sensible. That folks. is prime. <laughs> that was prime snack smell. Oh, sage I advice. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> on the topic of portions, I did my once a year, got a pumpkin spice latte. And I asked the person so at Starbucks. Basic, oh, I totally am. But I was like, once a year, <laughs> once a year, you do it. You know, it's gray outside, it's rainy. So did I you asked, pour, did you pour it on yourself? No, I just asked the barista, is there any way you can make it less sweet than it normally is? Yeah, it's too sweet. And she said it normally has three shots of, I guess, the pumpkin sugar flavoring. And she's like, we could do two. I was like, how about one? <laughs> so I got it tastes that. like pumpkin. It was good. Yeah. And then I was like, what would this have tasted like? If I had three shots of whatever they put in it, three uh, shots of sugar, a sugar, yeah, it would have knocked my boots off. You got like, like a, what is like grande, really? vinte, and then the Wilford Brimley. And this is the small, this diabetes. is the smallest size <laughs> yes. that they sell. The smallest size, uh, tall, three what pumps. Do they call it? Three pumps. Oof. Oh gosh, man! I'm going to start. So anytime I go get something, I'm going to dial back the sugar there. Yeah, I would. I would recommend. I'm going to dial the sugar out anyways. But if you're looking for that experience, thanks, one, Cody. One pump was solid. That's right. Was that? A clarification on was that a Cody clarification? I think it was a clarification. Uh, Hello. Cody clarifies. And we're back. Okay, that's great. We're um, glad Cody. We're, we're glad you did that, Cody. Yes, it's been a minute. Um, so this week, uh, believe it or not, there's something we're going to talk about. Um, <laughs> Dude, you almost went into a Barney voice. Uh, this week, <laughs> this week, come on, everybody. <laughs> oh, there's a video. Uh, anyway, so, um, <laughs> but this week we are going to be talking about something for real. Um, yeah. we're, we're back in the soft skills. We're, we're uh, keeping up with that. Um, yeah, it's an important thing. I was sharing with, with Ryan and Cody before this, share with everybody out there. Um, I was speaking with a businessman, uh, last night over dinner, a uh, contingent of folks who came to VCU, um, that I went and did some kind of, uh, curriculum co- uh, consultation with in Michigan, earlier this year, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, he was talking about how he is a very large, he has like a large development company and mm-hmm. they do a lot of things. And he, he talked about the, the, he said he thought the failure of education was in the fact that, uh, we no longer teach people how to be humans that do work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what he meant by that was he said, yeah, we don't, we don't help students get soft skills. We just kind of assume that they're just an easy, simple thing to pick up. So don't even worry about it. It'll just come naturally. And he said he would hire on the spot based on soft skills. And if he did not see them during an interview process, no matter what their resume looked like, they would not get a job because mm-hmm. those are the things like we've talked about yeah. Yeah, that provide the longevity yeah. uh, for what you're doing and your ability to do work and change the work you're doing. That's right. You yeah. It's like teaching someone what the moves make of all the different chess pieces on the board, but never talking to them about strategy. And yeah. you're like, but I taught them how to do the work of playing chess. Exactly. Here's this piece does this, this is this. Or even the decor, decorum and everything leading up to sitting down and playing the chess yeah, game. Getting getting to the position to even play the game with someone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a mind-boggling thing. But to that end, that's again why we're doing this series, why we're talking through this stuff. So this week we're talking about positivity. Oh no. Which <laughs> I knew there was a reason why I'm wearing tie-dye. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on, Ryan. Stay positive. Okay. <laughs> but no, in, in all reality, like positivity is yeah. one of those things you may not think about as a soft skill. Mm-hmm. Because most people will just say things like, um, they'll kind of will themselves into being positive mm-hmm. or they'll say positivity exists in certain pockets or times or there's times where you should be positive and there's times where negativity is good. Um, but I think one thing we don't do is we don't think about positivity as a, as a skill that can wither or grow. Mm-hmm. We just think of it as a thing you can kind of grab off the shelf and use when you need it. Mm-hmm. Like, Here's my Phillips head <laughs> screwdriver for this specific when thing. When I go for a cold, tall glass of something, I drink positivity. Positively. Gets me every time. Well, so like, so what is it when, when, when y'all hear positivity? Like what, what pops in your head? The oh, power man. of positivity. Disconnect. Oh, okay. I think both of these things are kind of the same thing. So <laughs> I don't know. What do you, what do you mean by that, Cody? Uh, just like a very generic, um, culturally ubiquitous. If you gray skies are going to clear up, so put on a happy face. Yeah, no, you, there's gray skies, but you deny that they're gray and just say it's so grayed out. Mm. Yeah, sort of like um, if you can just get a different perspective on what's going on in your life, you'll see that you actually do have all the tools and the power to self-actualize all the good things that you've imagined that you want. Channel the universe, which is it's it's sort of a weird like actually all your problems are your own fault sort yeah. of message. But it's couched in very positive language. No, that's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Talking slowly, mm-hmm. lightly. Yeah. You're good enough. Wearing You're your slouch shirts. Don't come to like you. Jam bands. <laughs> Fish. <laughs> yeah. Fish the Smile. band. Yes. Okay. Smile Not emojis. just fish generically. <laughs> yeah, fish the band. Sorry, when thanks, you said Cody. jam bands and then you said fish. Did you just clarify? <laughs> Hello. Clarifies. Yep. He sure did. Um, Sorry. Cody clarified. So I think uh, I was thinking Jimmy Buffett when you said. Absolutely. You were thinking fish Jimmy and Buffett. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's spot on. Making my way from Margaritaville. <laughs> do, that, do you want to know the part that's positive? That's positive. Um, he was born in my hometown. Just Heck saying. yeah, he was. I was setting you up. <laughs> That was a set. That's called. Yeah. A, that's called a setup, Gareth. Yeah, yeah that's called knowing. That's called. That's called knowing my dog. <laughs> yeah. Born in my hometown. That's my boy. You know, we we claim rum runners and hey, Doctor Scholarship and Jimmy Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back to uh, back to positivity. Uh, um, I don't know what to do with myself. Right now. Yeah. I'm thinking about Jimmy Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> There's a. I think with positivity, yeah, the the biggest thing is me is like you, it's just a it's just a thing you can co op, you know. So I think even in the power convenient. positivity thing, it's convenient, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's just out there for the taking. And the problem with that is not that it's not that there aren't things like that in the world. It's the um, the assumptions that underlie that for me that are problematic because if it's just out there for the taking, then it doesn't have any sort of like ingrained value mm-hmm. because it's just a thing you can apply, you know, where it's like here are my emotional cans of paint on mm-hmm. the shelf. And depending on what I want, I can put a shade on something, mm-hmm. you know? So the power of positivity is like, no positivity is like actually not that important mm-hmm. unless I need it. So I'll just be like super transactional with it. Yeah. I need this thing now. So let me do this work or this thing. Um, which I think is why sometimes it just, it doesn't, it doesn't last mm-hmm. why it like is real quick to just sputter out for a lot of So folks. the way you're describing positivity is like the, uh, the scented toy, 
It smells yeah. like strawberry. You buy it, you handle it for a bit. It smells great. It promises a whole bunch, but it wears off very quickly upon. Yep. Like it, it, it's uh, fleeting. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's it's just claiming that like positivity at its source is just your ability to muster up internally the willpower. Yeah. To apply that positivity. Yeah, and and that's also problematic because it gives us these these feelings that we have complete and utter control over emotions. Even though at times we know there are times where we are like subject to some emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about like when somebody near to you like passes away or is sick, or if you're on a roller coaster, you get to the top of the really tall hill, and then what is that emotion you're feeling down? Mm-hmm. That's kind of like fear, right? You you can't just sit there and be like, no, I'm going to apply new emotion mm-hmm. to this, mm-hmm. right? So there's there is something uh, where we there is a part of this that we are kind of subject to some of these things, mm-hmm. but we do not have to be the subject of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also there is the reality that like we can work into them more or less. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think why this is an important point to make is that if we can work. If we can build the soft skill of positivity, then we have to also understand that there is probably a passive building of negativity or other things like that that we're constantly a part of as mm-hmm. well. Yes. I'm so a part of that. Oh, I think we all are. Right? Yes. I mean, it's hard sometimes to just wake up, have your to-do list of things, look at things going on in the world, realize that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're struggling, that you're, you're getting older. Getting old. Um, that, you know, your, your show didn't get accepted. Your work's not coming together. Like, like it's, it's super easy yeah. to do that. Your art didn't change the world, you know, like, gosh, that's hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but really like emotional, like emotional outlook is one of those things that's always being developed in you. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah, ability you're, to. You're a passive recipient of it, or you actually take some stewarding control over it and yes, you know, and, and you're not, then you're, then you're in a wrestle. Mm-hmm. Like Angela Lansbury died yesterday. Yeah. 96. And Angela Lansbury, which I did not know this. I'm not being ironic here. But it was a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, was it yesterday or the day before? I can't remember now. That's how. Yeah, yeah. We, so Laura and I, we, we are guilty of watching Murder, She Wrote because we like those shows. Like that you said, you're guilty of it. I know. Like I you've know. been charged yeah, with Yeah, we've been charged, man. It's, it's, um, uh, you've been found out. We've seen, yeah, so we've watched them all. And um, it's just crazy to me, but somehow we just enjoy off-timed, out-of-date stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like a good escape. I like the slower pace because everything else in my life feels, you know, higher pace. Oh yeah. So, um, in those shows, she's always super positive, mm-hmm. like for real. Like she, like it's like, oh my gosh, my best friend just died. But she does it <laughs> in such a good way that you're like, you, you kind of believe her. Like mm-hmm. it's a funny thing to observe is this mm-hmm. steady state of. Uh, resiliency expressed in a false, you know, it's a fiction. Yeah. Um, so then I'm reading a story about her. I did not know this, but her daughter got wrapped up with Charles Manson. Are you serious? No joke, dude. She was, he was part, she was part of the Manson family? Yes, she was. Whoa. And and she talked about how he was very charismatic and really oh, yeah. had a lot of pull. would pick her up from high school hmm. and she was losing her daughter to the Manson clan. Wow. I said, whoa, that's crazy. That is a real thing. So I just two second derail on that. My Miss Wells, Linda Wells, my my Linda Wells, Miss Wells, my fifth grade teacher was an undercover cop before she became a teacher. Wow. And she um, she was uh, an undercover cop when they were going after Manson. Dang. The night that the LaBianca Tate killings happened, Mm -hmm. she was pulled back. She was pulled out of being undercover. So she would have been there. Gosh. Yeah. 
And uh, after all that went down, she stepped away from doing undercover work and be, became sense. a teacher, which is too much. Yeah. So I knew that, you know. So it's like this crazy. Yeah, that's just a, that's just an aside, but it was just interesting to read this, to read about Angela Lansbury talking very matter, matter of factly. Mm -hmm. She had to move to Ireland. In, wow. She moved her family to Ireland to totally disconnect her daughter from mm -hmm. the Manson family before things went really south. Mm, wow. I said, what an interesting reality that in some ways has some parallel to the character, some of the characters she's played, which are pretty resilient. I don't know, man. It was like, it's interesting. Like I don't, I, so I, I didn't have time to dig into it, but um, I'd love to know more now about how, like, this is where, I, this is where I'm headed with this is the, so in the, this is just in the acting context, mm -hmm. but is the, sort of some of the character positivity and quality of the actor actually just a residual mm. reality of that person mm. and was she one of those kind of super um cultivative of a positive mindset mm. people do you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah, like yeah. And, and so then like so to reverse it and you see this character that you like and then you've seen her in other things and you sense something there in her talks i've heard her speak and she's a sharp lady and you know lived a long life and then you read this story and you're like that takes some serious courage and it does anyhow i that's a little bit satellite -y to the conversation but it just popped in my head as like um like a fascinating thing like i always think about that as a comparison to like harrison ford mm -hmm. like as like you know it's like he's he plays these characters but then he actually has crashed airplanes and saved people from wreckages <laughs> and like yeah so you're like there's a continuity there mm -hmm. um so anyhow it's just interesting to think about an actor being uh, inherently positive as a way of seeing that on display in a heightened sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's also an interesting uh, conversation around uh, how we view people who are positive mm -hmm. and authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it is related to what we've talked about already and goes into the conversation that you're saying with Angela Lansbury. Like, is, was it was positivity an authentic thing so that it had to come through even in the acting? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Is, it, is it just too vested that it's hard to... It, it becomes a dynamic that mm -hmm. is hard to hide. Because I'm glad you brought up authenticity because I was thinking about that. Because <clears throat> I think that would be a lot of people's biggest gripe with the idea that positivity is a soft skill because mm -hmm. they might consider authenticity to be a soft skill mm. and pit authenticity against positivity. I, I could see that. I could see the, the, I could see the argument there. I would just say, um, what, what innate skill has to be developed for me to be authentically negative? Yeah, skills have to be are are an an execution of some yeah, something in a way. I think so, there's a reason that we don't we wouldn't look at like a 15 year old kid and be like, "You're great at walking." Yeah, you know, because it's an assumed thing for the majority. You know, barring any sort of like injury or, mm -hmm. or handicap, right? Um, but it's an assumed thing. Like, I wouldn't pat a guy on the back for knowing how to walk. Yeah, it's, a, a, it's point, a given, right? It wouldn't list it yeah. as a skill. I would list it as a fantastic, wonderful thing and a great yeah, blessing a to be able to do yep. it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I think in the same way, if there are things that we have like a natural sort of bent to, or things that just come super easy, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, like great job, you grew hair. You know, not a skill, not a skill. Yeah, a so patience, the same way I feel perhaps, like, but like negativity or like a lot of people be like, I'm not an idealist. I'm a realist. 
Yeah. And that's their way of saying, I'm just kind of going to piss in your coffee every day. Yeah. I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of realist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is the realist. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Realist coffee's been it. tasting so weird recently. It's been tasting a little tart. A little tart. Um, it's got some <laughs> <laughs> just a little work from your neighborhood idealist over here. <laughs> it's funny though, because I would say that in a lot of ways, like, like if, if you are a self-proclaimed uh, realist, I, I would say that uh, in the I'm equation of you and me, uh, I think that you're maybe more positive. <laughs> yeah, probably. <so. laughs> and as the person who would be the self-prescribed uh, idealist, I <laughs> I am easier to be like, nope. You're more likely to pee in well, someone's coffee. <laughs> I think that's a great point because this gives us the opportunity to decouple associations that may not. No, that's good. That's good. Be good because, like, I can see how someone who's an idealist could find themselves very cynical because of how the world really doesn't live up to the ideals they're imagining. I say more often than not. I can, yeah. <laughs> I can give you 39 years of experience. <laughs> but the what? flip side is I can also see how a realist could end up super cynical because they really do see all the bad things. Yes. And they're like, man, this sucks. Yeah. And you could invert that too. So, so yeah. that means that we have a paradigm for like a, a positive realist and a positive idealist mm -hmm. and a negative realist and a negative idealist. And I would, Which I would, further points to that fact that positivity is something that's not necessarily wedded to another dispositional type. Mm -hmm. And I would say to that, that um, authenticity, people look at authenticity as the verifier of all the others. Mm -hmm. Cause you say, are you, cause, because authenticity is, so it's, it's like, if they seem authentic, then the positivities resonates. Mm -hmm. If they seem inauthentic, then the positivity is untrustworthy. Yeah. But also if you're an Eeyore, but you're authentic, mm -hmm. people will find you, it, people can find that kind of person endearing. Whereas if they're inauthentic, then people say things like you're an a-hole or <laughs> yeah. so, so, so the interesting relationship uh, with the modifier. Yes. Of authentic. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, yeah. So it's like authentic is as a verifier. And then you've got these modifiers. You're the positive, you know, idealist. And, and so you start to get a yeah. kind of a more complex. Yeah. Uh, it feels like authentic at times can be more of a descriptor mm -hmm. of, uh, the individual's view of the subject rather than the subject themselves. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like whether or not it feels like what you're doing is a, is a facade or put on. Yeah. Um, Lo and just to say loosely, th I, I would just like loosely undefined people look at authenticity as they're undefined mm -hmm. to your, to kind of what you're breaking down as the basis for whether or not they trust the person. Yes. Whether they're positive or negative. Mm -hmm. um, so and, it's more of yeah. like, you know, authentic an, an is more question. like, yeah, it's yeah. more like, is it acceptable to me? Do I yeah. do I accept what you do? Yeah. Do I trust it? Do I believe it? Authentic. Do I believe it? Do I yeah. believe you? Do I trust it is acceptable? Is it uh, preferable? You know, all of that starts to stack. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, um, uh, negative. So just in the same way, it's difficult to turn out the light of a positive person when it's really bound up in their bones. It's true of negativity too. Mm -hmm. yes. So a lot of times what happens is, a per, and, and this is difficult because when you're striving to have a positive attitude, but you're kind of an Eeyore, and I don't mean that harshly, I mean like it's a struggle. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it compounds because uh, an average person coming in may just still see the fact that you seem down. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even though you're like, dude, I'm having the best day I've had in years and I'm trying real hard too. Well, I think that's one of the things where it, it's tough. If we get into a space where, with any of these soft skills, we prescribe what the acceptable level of that soft skill is, that's problematic. Yeah. But I think also why I would push against the authentic designation, uh, like you were kind of pushing, uh, not pushing for, but just putting out the mm -hmm. Cody, um, 
is that, uh, like we've talked about with other things, like nobody's asking you to be the most positive person in the world. Yes. Right? We're not asking you to be like... We're not asking you to be elf. No, you're not, not asking you to be that at all. Um, but what we're saying is that despite whatever your kind of, whatever that station at that moment that you're occupying is, positivity can be practiced. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a hugely important topic when we talk about artists and designers because as we all know from experience or otherwise, or even just cultural anecdotes, um, there's an uphill battle to the practice of art and design yes. within the current culture that we have. Always um, in the culture, probably. Well, yeah, but yeah. I would say within a specifically ingrained consumeristic individualist yeah. culture, yeah. Um, it is really like there's there's a there's a specific way in which it's difficult. So there's yeah. a special yeah. flavor of the current yes. times. So, um, you know, within that space, like positivity is something that's helpful, and I think it's good to talk about it as it doesn't. It, it is actually kind of separate from situation, uh, from circumstances, from other things. It actually is outside of those things. It is not contingent, but it is in some way there is a correlation. Mm -hmm. All right. So it may be easier to be positive at times, maybe harder to be positive at others. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if, if you're coming out of school or if you're in school and you've been doing this for a while and you've, you've applied to like 50 galleries and everybody's mm -hmm. been like silent or said, nope. Yeah. Like Spam. positivity is tough. Yep. It's really hard. If you're coming off of 12 straight really great shows and then you get a snag and somebody says, no, nah, you don't fit our gallery. Positivity is probably a little easier in that point. Yeah. Like, ah, I'll get the next one. But what does it look like to be stuck in a body of work that hasn't materialized? Like all your sketches are there, but nothing's come about. Mm -hmm. And not because you're not trying. So I think it, I think it's good for us to just point out that like the, the positivity is not just some sort of like, you know, rainbows and puppies. You well, know? yeah, I was going to say that's the chief problem is a lot of times when the positivity... When you ask, like, what do you think of? Well, it becomes it becomes a, a kind of a um, it's like saccharine. It's fake. It's tri yeah, it's a triad of of naivete, um, falsity, and not dealing with reality on the terms of what it is. So when you get into the reality of rejection, um, resiliency kicks in. So then the question is, what is your outlook based on? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to other categories. So like, how are you dispositioned towards the world? Well, if your expectations of the world are too naive you're doomed to get smacked in the face. Mm -hmm. um, and and the extreme opposite is like too clear of a view may lead you dejected. Mm -hmm. So, but there is an... Um, or a view that the world is worse than it is may lead yes. you to miss what goodness there is. Yeah, and what opportunities are there. Mm -hmm. So there is a dispositional daily mm -hmm. going at it, a volitional like I'm going to uh, operate with a reasonable amount of uh, positive outlook. Mm -hmm. um, which is a, which is an uh, open expectancy of some kind, mm -hmm. you know, um, to to what's going to happen and how how it can be um, good, if you will, or mm -hmm. you know, without going super nerdy on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you have to kind of re up. I think so. So there's two things. I think there are people that are natural, like like a puppy dog. Mm -hmm. Like there's some puppies that are just naturally more uh, affectionate and upbeat. Mm -hmm. And then some people are not like I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. Uh, so I have to work at it harder, but it, you know, it doesn't naturally spring out of me all the time. Some people it does. So when you got to know your frame and then mm -hmm. two, you got to know which way you need to work. Mm -hmm. So you got to lean in which direction, you know? So, uh, cause we're not a one size fit all. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I just want to put that out there. Like, like, um, uh, 
if you're naturally an Eeyore, I think it's really important that so you figure that out mm-hmm. because a certain amount of a certain amount of that is just becomes like a monotone. Everything stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it does, you still have to live. So mm-hmm. even if it does stink, it's still maybe better to be like a little bit like I got to find my joy where I can find it. Oh yeah, you know that requires a positivity. Yeah, I think there's something about hope that's wedded up to it, mm-hmm. like positivity yeah. and hopefulness. And if if beef you, jerky, yeah, yeah, um, I'm always hopeful that there's beef jerky around. But yeah, just like hopefulness is an expectation of the possibility of goodness, mm-hmm. um, and how an expectation of the possibility of goodness, or for people who have really strong basis for their hope, an expectation of inevitable goodness, yeah. Um, is something that then, you know, they're seeing difficult circumstances as being scenarios through which they're navigating mm-hmm. towards whatever that goal or hope is. So how does excite so a couple of, uh, I'd love to bring this into like a studio situation or a work yeah, situation. So, totally. so how does how does excitement factor into positivity? I mean, I, so I think of it as like a like on kind of a like a continuum of sorts, right? Like excitement can be pretty easy because it is contingent. It is highly contingent. Yeah. I'm excited for a reason. Most mm-hmm. people, I wouldn't say if I've met people with excitement that they're just. I, I wouldn't describe somebody as they have an excited personality. Mm-hmm. I might say that you they're might say energetic. they're excitable. They might be excitable. They might be energetic. Yeah, but for somebody to just have excitement about nothing, like I don't know that that exists. Mm-hmm. Right, so it has that that has to have some sort of correlation. We start putting acronyms on that and giving them education. (laughs) So you have to like actually, there has to be something there, Mm -hmm. right? And so what that means is that can wane. Now, let's say I have excitement. Um, So currently, I've had a lot of ideas I've been sketching out for some pieces I want to make, and there's an excitement there Mm -hmm. because you got the new ideas. It's flourishing. It's great. There's some there's some hope. There's potential tied up in it. But at some point, that excitement like runs out of steam. Yeah, like you don't have any more calories that get to be used towards excitement. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it feels like that's where things like positivity have to come in and do the mm-hmm. lift. It's almost like it's excitement tempered, yeah, um, or uh, something of that nature, because uh, excitement points towards possibility, and so there is a contingent nature to it where it's not everything. Excitement mm-hmm. is not the fullness of that reality, but it points towards the potential. Yeah, a lot reality. of times the excitement is like a. That's why I asked the question because I would. Let, you want those two distinguished because mm-hmm. positivity is a little bit more of an actionable disposition, yeah. whereas excitement is sort of like gas on a fire, mm-hmm. and the fires burn brighter, and now you got a little bit of extra energy for it. And yeah. sometimes that that state uh, can be uh, leveraged towards what you're talking about doing. So it could yeah. be like, I'm excited because we're coming to work today and we got this new project we're kicking off. Mm-hmm. Then you come to work and the new project is delivered and now you're dealing with the weight of the responsibility of the po- project and there's some things you don't know how to do. Yeah. But a positive attitude says, well, you know what? Like we got two days before we have to present a mock-up of this thing. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that we can get this done. Whereas the non-positive person sees it and goes, oh my gosh, I can't do this. There's no way, there's we're no way we can do this. So the yeah. excitement got you to the table and your positive disposition gets you through the challenge. Mm-hmm. And then there's the rejoicing and gratitude on the back end of the finishing of the completing of the thing. And, you know, when you're positive and you see it through, then you 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 can kind of rejoice easier, mm-hmm. meaning it's an easier, and, and, and I mean in a good way, not a lazy ease. I mean, it's like accordant. Yeah. But if you were negative, you have to overcome the guilt for being negative and going, because you, you feel guilty for rejoicing now mm-hmm. because you know that you weren't as, positive going into it right you know what i'm saying yeah Mm -hmm. and i think that that starts making me think of how positivity 
deals with, because what you just described is like a situation which we've touched on in the past of like your ability to do something within limitations. So mm-hmm. everyone finds themselves in the situations and the difference between the positive and the negative person is the positive person says, what can I do uh-huh. in the presence of these limitations? Mm-hmm. So they're in a sort of different, different definition of positive. They're looking for like positively what they can do. Mm-hmm. as an action, whereas a negative person will just look at the limitations and that's all they focus on. And mm-hmm. they focus on, this is what I cannot do. Yeah, this they were is just, all the things I'm blocked from doing. Yep. Therefore, there is no hope or there is no possibility of goodness. So there's something about like the agency of navigating within a limited set of possibilities, which you may not even know what that full possibility, but there's you know things like initiative and agency and all that are bound up in positivity, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that there's a, you know, just in the same way that excitement is contingent upon um, something being out there that you're excited toward, Mm -hmm. um, I think positivity um, is also contingent upon the fact that you don't know. I think negativity uh, gives a preemptive I know, Mm -hmm. and I know it's going to be hard, bad, incomplete, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Whereas positivity says, hey, uh, I've, I know what I need to be doing or I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to turn out like. And yeah. I probably have a bit of agency mm-hmm. in answering that question. The negative one says, I'm just, I'm just subject to this world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just subject to these, ex- these, these circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying that as a person who has lived many, many years <laughs> in that. Yeah. Yeah. And have been like trying through like a lot of relationships and, and different thinking and other stuff to, to be at a place where I'm like, hey, I, I actually have a lot of agency in the world. So the realist comes in and rightly orients towards the challenge. The best case in my mind is, is when I say I'm a realist, is that I'm optimistic and positive, but I'm also um, descriptive of what's there and like unknowns to me wreak more havoc than how do I say this? It's not that I can, you can know it all, but unknowns wreak more havoc in some ways when they're left un, unchecked. Like, 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 it, like I can, I'm a little better if I know like, Oh, this is coming. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to look this way because those specifics, um, afford, uh, um, an orientation. Now, you know, there's more to this, like your worldview and things, but, um, it, it allows you to orient towards the specifics in such a way that, um, you can leverage your positivity. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not vacuitous, or it's not like vertical um, into the ether. It's it's with regards to like, oh, I'm stepping into the ring. I'm probably going to lose this fight. I'm I'm going to know how to take the punches as well as I can. Like it gives me a it gives mm-hmm. you a fighter's chance to deal with what is, yeah. whatever that is. Illness, so. yeah. The idealist part, like thinking through that sort of uh, same way you're talking about it, <clears throat> says that like, oh, I I have not ascended to the the categorical definition in this space, uh-huh. which means that at times you get real down because you're like, okay, missed that mark again. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the mark? Yeah, <laughs> like what is actually kind of out there? Yeah. Um. So it's. Uh, it's weird. It, it is a reversal. It's it's the exact same thing in different orders and different yes. spaces, um, to where it's like it, it, you know, right or wrong, good or bad. You can talk all day, um, but I think it's probably more of like there's a reason we work well together, and then we have the wonderful like just sobering like 
concision that Cody brings to situations when we talk about stuff. There's a way that the three of us work together because we're not all, Mm -hmm. we're not all the realists. We're not all the idealists. Yeah. And we're not willing to say like, oh, this is it. And we resign ourselves to it. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I think the the resignation to it is the part that can be so detrimental totally. and why yes. positivity is a soft skill um, because it is something you have to practice. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, You have to actually do it. It's easy to resign yourself to whatever is going on. Yeah. Um, especially when you live in a culture that's he- heavy in that and happy yes. to do it. Real yeah. positivity has less weight to it in a burdensome sense. So mm. so it's it means that it's 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 actually more generative and to the benefit of others. Um, f- sort of oppressive, insistent positivity, which doesn't deal with the facts, is oppressive. Actually, it'll it'll frustrate people. It'll, yes, it'll cause people to get anxious. <laughs> but if you're if you're like, no, we got this in uh, leadership skills, like, um, or if you're on a team and you're like, no, no, we can do this. Like working sometimes where someone just quietly is like has a can do attitude. You're like, thank you so much mm-hmm. for just picking up and working. Oh yeah, because okay. we have to do this mm-hmm. in well, the studio, whatever. Have have y'all ever known somebody who is just like insidiously positive? Yes. What you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, and um, and and maybe this is a speaking for the whole table. Can't, can't say too much on this episode. But yeah, I've I've known people who are just like positive in a problematic way, mm-hmm. like you're talking about. And I think most of the time, what it is is it it actually shuts down possibility. Yeah. So the positivity, like the negative connotation of positivity you're talking about, it really does shut down. Yeah. Things because. Uh, if you bring up a point, then it's like, no, no, can't we can't talk about that because we're positive, and it's that's like, that's exactly right. Yeah, it we becomes to. one note. <laughs> yeah, that's such, yeah, such a helpful distinction because you're pointing out that difference between it has to do with acknowledging either existing problems or acknowledging limitations, boundaries, things you can't control. Because mm-hmm. if you can acknowledge all those things, yeah, there's still a whole lot of space to be positive and say, so this is what we can do in light of that, and right. then you're dealing with the real world. Mm-hmm. But that sort of, maybe you could say toxic positivity is saying, no, 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 we can't acknowledge the limitations or the boundaries of the problems that are existing. Mm-hmm. And if we can't acknowledge those, we can't actually start making real actions mm-hmm. in reference to those other real limitations. Yes. And so then every then it be, you're forcing people to basically socially speak one language and mm-hmm. refer to things in one way and then practically go about their jobs in a different way, yeah, which creates a huge schism in people's brains and workplaces. Yeah, I mean, because think about it. Think if you walked into, uh, if you walked into like a design classroom mm-hmm. and you had two different ways of being taught, one of those ways would be the positive person we're talking about that's like insidiously positive. And they would say, here's your three photos, here's your paper size, here's your typeface, here's your text, here's your colors. That sounds... You're gonna, the 50 of you are gonna make me a poster Mm-hmm. And they're going to be different and they're exciting and we're super, and it's just that's like, never that's happened, death. dude. That's death. Yeah. But the other side of that the like, is, is the, Hey, uh, you do whatever you want, uh, make something hopeful. Yeah. That sucks. Like they're both, they're both like hugely constraining because they don't acknowledge the constraints that we have yeah. or the things going on so that you can choose to avoid in a certain way. They're both avoidance. They're both, um, you're vacating. Uh, your your kind of moral responsibility to the situation you're in. Yeah, and but those feel like kind of the two hollow pictures chest. we have of like the 100% hollow chest people. It it feels like the two pictures we're giving of like the person who's like just 
just sappy eyed positive mm-hmm. or yeah. the person who's like down in the mouth all the yeah. time, sad, negative, like, Oh, it's terrible. It's never going to be good versus don't tell me the, <laughs> don't tell me the things I need to acknowledge because we're trying to stay positive over here. Yeah. 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 My solution to both of those people is to sit them down and talk about for a month. <laughs> both of you eat what I, what I put on your the table power of you. positive digestion. Yeah. In, 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 in positive digestion. digestion. Yeah. You can get, get some forward momentum up in here. <laughs> some movement. <laughs> Definite movement. Man. Well, yeah. So I think, I mean, also then, like, you, you deal with something like positivity. And it's like where, uh, I mean, I don't know, even if we want to be diagnostic about it, like where are places that, that you don't see positivity that it actually might be super helpful? Because hmm. I think it's easy for us to sit here and kind of talk about it and people go, yeah, yeah, I see that, mm-hmm. I see that. But when we talk about, like, where does positivity actually need to be interjected like that's that's a tougher thing i mean you could even think about like your your personal practice or or your time with artists or grad school or whatever well i'll say i'll just speak right off the cuff so when i when i did the show this weekend solo show uh i'm thankful for the surprise of the reciprocation hmm I could have been more positive leading into that. I could have been more. Um, I mean, I wasn't coming in like you were there. I wasn't like negative or something. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, oh. like, like um, my Maybe outlook more reserved. Yeah, a little more reserved. It. So my outlook changed, and I was like humbled. I was like, well, I got to rethink some categories. I mm-hmm. like I just had my eyes open to like things we talk about mm-hmm. that I haven't got to experience in a context like this that. I haven't honestly processed yet. So meaning I haven't thought about it yet, but I, I kept saying, Oh, I kept making mental notes. Like, Oh, I got to think about this one. Like, I got to think about this because I feel like uh, there's a set of actions that can follow from what I observed and experienced Mm -hmm. that are maybe adjacent or different to like what I've been assuming. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just additional or it's a total, you know, pivot in some ways. But, um, I always teeter on the border of depression and like it's, I'm, I teeter on the manic, manic mm-hmm. thing. Like it's just, yeah. Um, and so I, I worked really hard at the uh, steady state. Yeah. yeah. Cause if I don't work at the steady state, uh, gratitude and positivity, mm-hmm. then I teeter in extremes between yeah. depression and like a manic depressive kind of thing. So um, without ever having said those two words together, I'll with reference to myself, I'd probably say like in a, just to, for the sake of ease, I'd say it that way. I think it's a little more subtle, but it's definitely a, you know, a tendency. I want to be sensitive to anybody who's there. So, mm-hmm. but I, but I do tend, tend in those ways. So yeah. the, the fuller the positive outlook gets, the less polarizing those points seem. And the more the through thread starts to, starts to pull it all together. And so that, that's like a daily attitude and um, posture and I have to like, like I have to work on that. Like it's, it's like it's like when I'm brushing my teeth, I have mm-hmm. to think about this. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like when I mouthwash, I think about it. When I go to pour a cup of coffee, when I, it's like early morning. I if I don't think about it, and if I don't do anything about it in terms of orienting myself, I'm at the whim of my emotions, which makes me vulnerable to other people's mm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I haven't gotten on top of it. And, you know, there's, for me, there's like prayer and other things that go into that, but um, that are chief in this equation. 
<clears throat> so yeah, so but the other other side is like if I wake up and I'm intentional mm-hmm. and uh, I have some resiliency to deal with the say the wind being knocked out of my sails, mm-hmm. I don't I don't default as quickly. So what I found is the positive baseline. I would call. I'm just gonna mess the talk up and say positive and grateful because I just can't separate those two mm. in this. So when that's there, then um, depression becomes more a strange visitor mm-hmm. because it has no um, justifiable context. And by being a strange visitor in my own state, without any uh, thing I can blame it on. I can do battle with it more clearly mm-hmm. because it doesn't belong there. Yeah. So it's there as a stranger who has no home as opposed to someone who is justified and is actually re redesigning my interior life. And because I haven't been postured well, I, I can easily fall victim to making justifications for it and then be trapped in depression. So yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's a lot. It's a little cryptic, but the positive state, which I don't mean that in some hippy dippy way, but I mean like a real, um, I always have the uh, take up your cross and follow me mm-hmm. mindset. Like, like you got to take up the burdens and um, trust, work them out in smaller bite-sized doses and be grateful. And, and that positive disposition, it'll just help you not get knocked off your horse so strongly and mm-hmm. you'll be better for other people. Yeah. So, anyway. I think, I mean, that, that putting together positivity and gratitude, I think is huge. Because I mean, there's a lot of ways that it could be hollow, mm-hmm. right? And you just are like, Thank, thanking nothing for nothing sort of stuff. And yeah. Like, you know, um, but I think there's a very real thing to uh, practices of gratitude put you into a space mm-hmm. that are sometimes that is sometimes not where you were putting yourself mentally. Yeah. Because I find that when I'm not in a positive, if, if I'm un, unable to be in a positive headspace, I have placed myself in a certain mental location. Mm hmm. And so when I think about gratitude, it it's, it jars that, mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more disjunct, you know. So if I can sit there and say, man, these ideas they're not they're just not coming. Like this, these things or these pieces aren't coming together. I can't figure this out. Mm-hmm. And then I can sit there and be like, man, but I'm I'm actually really grateful that I had some ideas in the first place that I'm working through. Mm-hmm. Like that's a positivity. Like you have to be positive to have that moment of gratitude for that. Right. To say like, hey, I'm I'm grateful I've had the ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I I could have not had the. I could just be stumped. I could have you know the equivalent of writer's block right now, staring at. At, at materials or a, or a computer screen or a blank canvas or a piece of paper and not even have that. Mm-hmm. But positivity like has to be a part, like gratitude and positivity have to go together because you, yeah. you can't be actually grateful without positivity. Yeah, because the gratitude is a disposition of like you realize that there's things that you have that are not because you didn't. Like there's, yeah, a, there's still contingency. Yeah, involved. recipient yeah. In, in the most positivistic sense you're the recipient of something um, mm-hmm. that yeah that you're receiving. Yeah. And I think, you know, within that space of, of positivity and, and, and gratitude, it also helps you just understand like, um, you know, I can, I can look backwards at things that I'm grateful for uh-huh. and they can help remind me that there's still, there's still something up mm-hmm. because where I have the hardest time with positivity is that when I start to get down and negative about things, it's because I think that I'm in the place where I will always be. Right. Like, and a lot of that is, I mean, people listening to the podcast have heard me talk about being task oriented. So when I don't have something that's like right there in the front of my brain, that's a task to do. I'm like, oh, I'm stuck here. This is where I am forever. Yeah. And that 
breeds that negativity. Mm-hmm. And so I have to I have to dip into that positivity and that gratitude to know like, no, no, I felt like that in the past. Right. And I'm really grateful I don't I didn't feel like that for a while. Mm-hmm. And now I'm here. So I can muster. It's like up trying some to get out of that ditch faster. You may yeah. you may be in there, but it's like, can you can you be excited about the fact that you didn't stay there for three months? Yeah. It was only yeah. an hour mm-hmm. or it was like half a day. Exactly. For me, a lot of times, like it, I, I, you know, when I was younger, I'd be depressed for three months, four months, six months. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that intensity happens, but it's like a day. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. I, and I just kind of perfunctory get through it and it gets dangerous if it goes longer than a day or two for me. Like I, right. it's not a good thing for me. So like I have to, you know, I don't know, take my vitamins and get sunshine and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, oh yeah, you know, um, it's tools, the skills to work through it. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, when I was younger, I was just a victim to yeah, it. Yeah. And I don't mean that in the, I don't mean that, I mean that in quotations, like, like it's you're like subject you're, to you're it. Subject to your in passive, the sense that, passive hey. recipient of what's going on. And you yeah, know, yeah. you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm just beholden to the state mm-hmm. that is on me, you know? So what, what do you, what do we think like maybe with the role of like friends, community, studio mates, uh, mentors, like what, what, it, what is, how, how does positivity, how does it deal in a situation like that? Like how do, I don't know, just kind of thinking about like, we've talked a lot about like individuals and like me thinking about positivity, but like, what about the community we're in? We always talk about know and be known. Like how, how does the community or your friends or like, you know, just like the three of us sitting around a table having a podcast, like how does, what does positivity have to do with that? Or how does it factor how about, together? How about I tell a story from our trip and then Cody can chime in after I tell the story. How, sure. about, how about a story from our, from our, the gallery show? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to edit the story a little bit and not like, not just in terms of like, I can't get into all the details. Edit for length. Edit for length. So yeah. the building we're in is powered by gas. Yeah. Diesel. So either somebody emptied the diesel. So the building we were in for the show at the Bathroom Gallery, uh, Ricky, our friend. Like the electricity is powered no, by like diesel? The, he- the heat. The heat. The heat. Okay. Yeah, the heat. So um, it's cold there. It's going to be a really cold day the second day of the festival. Yeah, it was below freezing that night. Yeah, that night below freezing. So um, great day of the show, but can't get the heater to work, you know, later. And the this big can is like vulnerable to anybody. It's just outside. Mm-hmm. There's no gate, no cage, no nothing. So um, some guys, some texts come out. They, they can't figure it out. And then they're like, oh, there's no, there's no fuel in here. But there's not really a situation where Rick can call anybody. Yeah. He's trying to call the emergency spot that's supposed to monitor this and figure out if it's broken or if it's leaking or if someone stole the gas. But it's it's uh it was like an eight hundred gallons of gas or something like uh, that. Eight hundred pounds. Eight hundred dollars worth. Eight hundred dollars worth, yeah. sorry, that's right. So um but I think it might be like eight hundred gallon tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's big. It's big. And at a minimum he needs 200 gallons of gas to hold it over for a while, heat the building back up Mm -hmm. and it needs to be heated up for the following day. Mm -hmm. So Rick is calling people can't really get anybody to help. And now he's now, now he's deep into his community engagement with people that he knows for various reasons. And Rick knows a lot of people. He's really great at caring about people Mm -hmm. and uh, people love Rick. And so it's just a good, good thing, but he's getting to the point where it's like, we're all tired, man. This has been a long day. We are, I am fighting like I want to just I want to go sit by the campfire, enjoy my family with you, everybody and Rick and all of us just have a good time, rejoice over the day. And now it's looking very possibly like we're going to be here till like four in the morning, mm-hmm. which is an, um, 
was a horrifying proposition. It was not a positive thought. It was not a positive thought. Uh, but it was very real. Not an ideal situation. Not an ideal situation. So this is going somewhere. So we're, we are, Rick knows someone, they got a gas station uh, shop where they were auto repair shop, mechanic shop. There's some big gallons in there and they let Garrett, Garrett, let us go grab them and Gareth and Rick, I have a bad back Gareth and Rick roll them out. Gareth's emptying gas and there's our like sludge Mm-hmm. And there's two that we can use. So we're like, okay. So we had to go to this tractor shop and Rick had to buy this special pump. It was going to be a hand pump, which would have took us to like four in the morning to pump gas from these canisters into this thing, right? Which we've never done before. Rick's never done this before. So it's a whole whatever. Like what the heck are we doing exactly? Yeah. Then Rick finds this other one that's, that's engine, like it's, um, you can like, you hook up to a battery, a battery, which looks like we could try to figure out how to plug it into this truck mm-hmm. and it will still take a decent amount of time, but it would yeah, cost yeah, 400 bucks that Rick does not have right now. Sure. Right. Like galleries get an investment. So we're just like, he buys it and we go to this BP. Now it's dark outside. It's West Virginia and Berkeley Springs. Nobody is out. Yeah. The town's 800 people. Yeah. yeah nobody's yeah. out. Right. You got to understand these are wide open spaces. We were sitting there. I'm checking my ring cam. <laughs> camera because there's like some possibly weird going on like it, it ended up not being thankfully but it just had to check it and we're all just standing there because it's taking forever to um fill, fill up these tanks yeah it's know? 255 gallon barrels yeah so a guy pulls up in a truck and a van a truck that is like rick's but white rick's is brown and gray yeah, yeah. and this guy's white he's got a trailer on the back and on the back of the trailer is this contraption and he pulls up and he looks a little bit like Dave Coulier from um, Full House. Full House. And the actor, Jeff Daniels, or no, is it? Yeah, it's, it, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that plays um, you know, Dumb, and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber. He's like a combo of these two guys. And I mean that in the best possible way. His name is Walter. Shout out to Walter. So I'll never forget him. So this guy shows up and he's got a big smile. And he goes, it's the middle of night. We don't know who this guy is, right? Do not <laughs> yeah. know. And he goes, don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> and I, we all like look at him in slow motion. And we're like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like depends on what that is. Like I doubt we're going through the same thing right now, right? So we're all, <laughs> me, Gareth, and Ricky are just like, yeah, man. Like we're, no one knows what to say. <laughs> so he just pulls up and starts talking. I was like, I'm letting Rick talk to this guy, you know, like, because I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So Rick starts talking with him and you can't make this up. The dude has a tank and a system he put together to pump and uh, to suck out gas and pump it into whatever. Like it's a whole setup with filters, all this stuff. So he just starts sharing delightfully pot with positivity, mm-hmm. like authentic positivity. Like I jokingly, but not jokingly said, I have heard uh, people say things like sometimes we entertain angels and we don't know it. I was like, if there's ever a time in my life where that happened, it was this. So the guy's like so positive, but like disarming, like I'm not like creeped out by it. Like this guy's trying yeah. to get something from us. So he's just sharing it. Rick's telling him what, what's going on and what's happened tomorrow morning. And like the guy's like, well, what did you, you know? What did you, what did you buy? Like, what are you going to do? If you go hand pump, it's going to take you to like, it's going to take. I forget how many hours per gallon. It's going to take mm-hmm. a long, long time. And that means all of us pumping gas for hours, taking turns, yeah. arms burning. No way we're getting ready for the next day. 
And uh, and he's like, and Rick's like, well, I got this thing. And he's like, where'd you buy it? Tractor, blah, 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 tractor supplies. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you probably spent a lot on it. He's like, how much you spend? He's like, 400 bucks. He's like, ah, I got one. I could have, like, as if we know this guy. Yeah. He's like, I could sell you one. Like, I'd sell you for half price, even less. And he's like, we still don't know why the guy's at the gas station, mind you. There's nobody else at the gas station. There's no cars around. Yeah, I have no clue. It's nighttime out. So the guy's like, well, I mean, what are you, what are you doing right now? You could, you know, you could take that back. He's like, you want to go right? You want to go right now? I can help you. I can follow you. We could go do it. <laughs> and if you knew Rick, you'd be like, you'd understand. But Rick's like, I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, like, and so then the guy's like, all right, I'll just follow you guys. And Rick goes, well, what, what, what would I owe you? And he goes, oh, man, 50 bucks. And Rick just goes done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we are. Like, I'm not telling the story well enough to make you understand how miraculous this is. It's like, I got a rare disease and there's a cure, but it's in like 10 states away and it requires a specialist. And you're sitting there and the specialist drives up and goes, I was still driving around. Don't you hate when you get bit by that snake? And I just happen to have the snake bite kit. Like, it was like, it was like that absurd. So the guy follows us, back the truck up, backs the truck up starts pumping the stuff. He knows how, how to do everything. He's like, do this, do this. He's, he's super nice, so friendly, easy to talk to, super cool guy. And he's just a little older than us. And he's just like, boom, boom, boom. And then uh, just, to make, just to make it funnier, like <laughs> he goes, uh, we, we have one of the barrels. You can't get the, um, the cap off. The cap off. It's, it's bent a little bit. And we're trying. Like Gareth put man strength into it. Everybody put their best strength. Like not Rick and happened. Gareth. No, I did not, but Rick and Gareth tried. Um, so the dude's like comes over and he goes, let me see this. He goes, I'm a barrel whisperer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he makes a double prong tool out of two tools and gets the lid off. So you're just going like, okay, so that's one more thing we wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah. That he did. So you're just sitting there. You're, you're like, this it's is just stacking up. It's just stacking up. It's late at night. There's nobody around. And then he's like, you ever heard of, <laughs> I don't even remember. I forget now, dude. But it was some like very obscure rap, odd nerd rap genre. British rappers with a mustache like Gareth <laughs> that were actually pretty good. And they're <laughs> they battle funny. rapping each other. They're funny. It's supposed to be humorous. And he's like, you got to look it up right now. And we're tired, man. But this guy's just so, so I'm thinking this is going to so be positive. This, I was like, this is where it's going to get super lame and I'm going to feel embarrassed. <laughs> and it's actually funny. I'm like, this is actually really funny. And if I wasn't as tired as I am, I'd be even more excited about this. Then we look all that to say, man, the dude just pops back in the next day to the gallery, grab, you know, see Rick. I don't even think he gave Ricky had a chance to give him the money back. But, um, what I saw was this incredible picture of community at a minimum, mm-hmm. both the community you have and the community you will have. And so the guy left and he was like, do you know anybody that knows how to do concrete? And Rick's like, let me think about it. I, I could find somebody. He's like, great. Cause I bought this land. And, uh, you know, I'm building the stuff and he goes, if you guys ever want to do music venues, I got everything. He's like, I got generators. Like he's building a space to do incredible events. Like festivals. Festivals. So he starts offering and he goes, listen, anything you need, I got it. He's like, he starts naming stuff, gives Rick his card. He's like, just call me, man. I'm, I'm down to hang out anytime. And with that. He's like, okay, I'm going to get some food. He's like, I think we're going to like a Denny's or wherever he said he was going. Yeah. I forget where it was. It was like 
Pank Waffle House or something yeah. with some buddies. Yeah. And then just to close it off, he's like, sees the gallery. And he goes, oh, yeah, I saw this. I drove by. He's like, you guys, you guys like my friend. Like, this is out of order. But one of the things that he said towards the end was like, um, it was like, of course, this is the case. He's like, yeah, we came here from Maryland. He's like, yeah, my buddy bought property, too. And he's like, um, yeah, he's a sculptor and photographer. And he knows so-and-so and so-and-so until he's an artist. You guys, you guys got to meet him. <laughs> so you, you're launching it. It's like the night couldn't get any crazier you know, with this guy, but like, so here it is. Here's the know and be known. Rick, Gareth and I, you know, you know, Rick, we all mm -hmm. know each other from Richmond. Yeah, sure. Rick launches something in another city that has something to do with Shaco, you know, in, in terms of inspiration mm -hmm. and it was beautiful. And then the community bills and he was, he had to go through some trials positivistically to make this happen, to secure a building. It took three years of work, right? Mm -hmm. So he gets this space and then we're all there so we could work across distance together to make this happen. Gareth kick butt on a ton of stuff, website, like all these different things are happening. And then when we go there, Rick has already built new community that yeah. gives him the optimism and the outlook to make a phone call and say, what can we do? I got a problem. What can we do? Hey, can you solve it? Nope. I never saw him waver and get so down that he, he didn't make another phone call mm -hmm. and yeah. just go, what can we do? And then we go, well, it looks like we're, it looks like I know what we're doing tonight, boys, you know, like, yeah, and, yeah, so, and also in that moment, like as he's saying that, we're about to leave the building. And I was like, hey, better this weekend than another one. Yeah. Because if it had been another weekend, you're on your own, buddy. Yeah, you're totally on your own because Gareth and I. We wouldn't have been there. Yeah. And at a minimum, together, it was a lot funner yeah. than yeah. it would have been. I'm not saying it was like. The situation wasn't any different in yeah. any sort of like real. But it matters. Way. That it didn't matter. Around. But there was, uh, I think one of the things that strikes me in this in the whole situation was like there were plenty of chances where we could have easily slipped into like negative, like, Oh, what are we going to do? Oh gosh. Yeah. And just I would be tempted to do that. I would be tempted right? to do that. That's and me. then it would have stopped things yep. or this guy to come up and say, don't you hate it? And just be yeah. like, dude, just get out of here. Yes. Get out of my face. Totally. No, I mean, I ain't got time for you right now. I yeah. got, we would have. And so, so what in the world possesses this man to drive around? I still don't know what he didn't go. Like he had something in his disposition that was generous like he wasn't trying to get anything from us mm -hmm. at all. No, it was I mean, genuinely helpful. Genuinely helpful. And he, I think he was looking for a community, know and be known. So now we know him, Walter. Mm -hmm. And Rick has practiced building community. I, and I mean that in like a a sincere way, like we've done here. But like, so he's leaned in. And so so there were friends to call. Uh, there were friends to say, I can't help you. Mm -hmm. That's important. But there are um, also friends to say, I can't help you, but my brother can. Exactly. Yeah, and hey, my brother's got a key. Go to his spot. And, and like, so you, what you saw was both the past tense community, the present tense community that he has, and then the furtherance of that. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how to summarize it, but anecdotally, that is the best possible picture of positivity working against the different personalities because there were differences between all of us. Nobody was pouting, but you get, you get the point. Like mm -hmm. stuff got done and we got home in time to joke around and then watch my son Oliver beat Ricky in a push-up contest. <laughs> Cause Rick quit. He just couldn't, he just, he, he, uh, he his up. dog was getting in the way. So, nice. um, so me and Oliver like to count, count it that Oliver won. Yeah. Well, Very I actually nice. think I mean like in that same space, like, um, you're talking about how positivity and this group, like how it's all like interconnected. And I, I, I would go so far as to like push a little further and say that positivity does not exist outside of community. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's literally no reason for me to think positively if there aren't other people yeah. around me. That's right. Because I can just be, I can just be 
piss Excuse poor me, as much as I want yeah. by myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's no need for it. And uh, you get into these like existential dread, Eeyore, yeah. mopey moments, reading, you know, philosophers from the 40s all the time um, because you're not actually in community. Yeah. Because that positivity, I think, comes through it because every once in a while you are going to get that person like, you know, I would hope that if I came in, I was like, ah, oh, this, this, and this. I'd hope one of y'all would be like, hey, well, what about this? Yeah. Like that possibility is a positive move, right? The, the idea of pointing to like, oh, there could be something else you don't see. Sure. That you are finite. Yep. And that your station in place means that you are not privy to mm-hmm. all that is known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the commu- the you know a bit more. Yeah. And the community, or a practice of, the community practice of that is what prepares you to be in any singular moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where that skill comes into action when it's needed. But if you're not practicing it yeah, yeah. in the wider context of the community, then it doesn't bear itself when it's necessary in very particular discrete situations. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the person who lives on the mountain and they're, they appear to be wise and you're like, oh my gosh, they're so pa- patient. They've literally lived on a mountain, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, no, they're not patient. They they're never isolated. Patient. Yeah, they're isolated. They're not patient. That's isolation. Yes, they are. They're outside of any need for patience. Yeah, mm-hmm. patience is going to come to when you're actually bearing with a diverse range of people, like little kids and mm-hmm. older people and sick people and healthy people and and smarter people than you. And you know, yeah, yeah. Then, then you'll find out who's patient, and it may not be who you think it's going to be. Right. So the same is true with uh, the positivity. It has it has it's relational. Mm-hmm. And that's the humanizing thing is it know and be known fact is like it is humanizing. So the soft skills are part and parcel to actually being a human mm-hmm. in some respects. A hundred percent. And then the know and be known element kicks in for the authenticity because mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, because of the relationship that we have and then you have with, with Rick, the positivity isn't suspect as being ungenuine mm-hmm. he's like no i actually know this person yeah and i know how they can be in really difficult scenarios totally and i see how they're being positive in this scenario and this is an encouragement to me to also mm-hmm. be positive as well yeah, and that's then how you learn mutually it. reaffirming right yeah. but not fake yeah but it's yes. not just everyone getting everyone hyped up yeah there's false emotions there's a generativity yeah and positive uh positivity yeah generativity and positivity yeah <laughs> yeah and it's distributed the distribution of the expression uh, in a myriad of people and circumstances where there's shared reality across mm-hmm. various circumstances substantiates and authenticates the generativity. It, mm-hmm. it actually uh, confirms it. And so you can't know that unless you're in relationship to people. Mm-hmm. So you got to bear with people. So that's kind of the problem with the work environment thing is, is if, um, you know, work is depends on the nature of the work. You know, if you're in your studio with an assistant, it's just you and your assistant. If you're in a design team, um, it could be a lot of work online where you're not together. And so it's tricky, but, yeah. but it is um, the bleed through from doing in other places is it comes into play in your particular vocation, which is kind of what I was trying to allude to with the mm-hmm. Jessica thing, which is your vocation um, can heighten something that is practiced and made real outside of work. And I think that's mm-hmm. the integrated aspect. It's not, it's not a thing you turn on when you come to work. Yes. It's actually part of who you are and then it, it yeah, bleeds yeah. through. So that was kind of why I was bringing up the mm-hmm. Angela thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's to say that it's to say that when you're working at these things, relationships create the context for these things to bear themselves out, mm-hmm. especially if you have friends that you have given permission to say, "Hey, you're kind of being a jerk right now." Like, "Hey, you know, hey, turn, you know, shape up, man. Your attitude, you know, whatever, you know, like you're bummed." 
Yeah. What about this? Don't forget. Yeah, because if I don't have to hold up the weight of the world, then I'm okay with you or Cody being that positivity that day. Yeah. That I don't that I can't muster. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't. It, I, it doesn't have to come just from me. And I think that's another part of the community aspect yeah. is like if you're in community with other people, uh, if you're in relationship to other artists and designers and folks that have that type of relationship where you've devoted that time of time and energy to. Um, then on a day when you're just like down and you're like, nah, yeah. I just don't see how this is going to do anything. They can come in and re-energize you with some positivity. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that one day you'll be in a reciprocal situation mm-hmm. where you can give that back. And I don't think there's anything bad about that in a, in a highly individualized society. We'll say there's a detriment there because you're not doing it all yourself, but come on, if you actually believe that you're, you're really in denial. If yeah. That's the way the world works. Yeah. And there's also the element of remembering is mm. that we can help each other remember things because I've, in a moment of negativity or um, sort of darkness, will forget oh, yeah. the good things that have come before. Do this in remembrance of me. Mm. And like the necessity of another person to say, no, 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 no. Remember with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that person who's not in the similar place of darkness or despair or, or negativity bring you back up. Mm-hmm. Like the ultimate person. That's really important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I think, you know, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned, I, I've talked through all the things that I think were on my mind today for this as we're going through it. So hopefully it sparked some ideas uh, and you all had some uh, thoughts. These were gentle on your mind, Gareth. You know that song, <laughs> Gentle on My Mind? Yes. <laughs> Everybody's talking at me. Can't hear a word to say in. So that's what we want to leave you with. It's a very positive song. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> that's what I hope to <laughs> Now we're doing bow, it. Bow. Oh, thank you. Wait, is this um, the remembering stage oh, or the encouraging stage? Yeah. Is that is that Henry Nielsen or is that? Yeah. It is? So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so yeah, here's the, the little brain debris sprinkled on top like a little bit of powdered sugar on your beignets. Oh, yeah. Beignet. So. <laughs> So with that, if we got nothing else that can top uh, that those nice little spots of brain debris, I think we're going to call it quits here for the week. Peace. Um, we love you all. Fantastic audience. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.